Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. Uh, joining me today is Howard Coffin, who is a Civil War historian, author, and, did I miss any of those things, commentator, your commentator, and former press secretary to U.S. Senator Jim Jeffords. Howard, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Yes, well, if I told you how he got here, I messed him up so bad. It's a long story, but he I called him at 8.30 and he rushed right here, so I thank you very much. I'm, I'm in his debt. Um, but anyway, I love listening to Howard, love talking to him. We met, I think, at dinner with um, Senator Doyle. That was the first time that we met well a hundred yes. years ago, I think. But I think <laughs> at Sarducci's, of course. I think that's the only place Bill ate. Well, um, anyway, um, I didn't know after all these years of knowing that you were press secretary for Senator Jeffers. Can you tell us about those years when they were? How it all happened? Yes, it was uh, in the sixties and seventies when I got to know him. I was a reporter for the Rutland Herald. Mm-hmm. I was covering the state house. He was state senator and attorney general. Right. And when he came to Montpelier, he called me and he needed somebody to rent his house in Shrewsbury. <laughs> And so I did. For two years, I rented his house in Shrewsbury. He was my landlord. Oh, wow. And, uh, but I never, you know, I always thought that adversaries, you're, you know, the people you cover should be your adversaries. And so I was as tough with him as anybody else. And he, and he used to say to me, listen, Howard, I'm giving you a good break on the rent. Can't you be a little <laughs> nicer than that? But we, we be, you know, despite the fact that I was, you know, tough on him, we became friends. Yeah. And he asked me to go to work for him uh, 15 years later after I left the Rutland Herald. Wow. And I said, why do you want me to go to work for you? I don't want to go to Washington. <laughs> he said, because I want, to come, I want to come back to Vermont and run for governor. I want you to get me elected governor. No kidding. And I said, why do you want to be governor? He said, I want to pass a state land use plan. And I said, I'll do it. And wow. so I worked for him for five years. In Washington and then in, in Montpelier. Mm. I didn't like Washington. No. I mean, you know, I was. It's not Vermont. It's not for young, it's not for older guys. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with him. Uh, he, he was wonderful and, and he really became the key figure in the, in Congress in saving civil war battlefields. Okay. Thank God for Jim Jeffords. Well, um, I didn't know that either. I must not be paying attention to life here. We went to this, the Battle of, C- of Cedar Creek, the, the 150th, I yes. think. And Joe Benning, Senator Benning brought down, I don't know what they call that little table, but they brought down a, a plaque of the yes. painting that's in the Cedar Creek room. That's, that's right. Um, and all of a sudden, who, were you the MC? No, somebody was. I was, uh, uh, no, I was the keynote speaker. Right. So somebody said they wanted a moment of silence in honor of uh, Senator Jefferts and all that he's done for Vermont. And there were you brought down some Vermonters and we were there on our own. And I don't think there was a dry eye on the battlefield. I was crying my eyes out thinking I didn't know this. And I wish we had known those kind of things. There's something that Senator Leahy did recently to help the displaced Ukrainians come to Vermont at the border. We never hear those things about our about our congressmen, and I think they make those stories make them real, make them you know Vermonters. 
Well, I, when I was working in Washington, I took Jim out to the Shenandoah Valley for a weekend. Oh, wow. You know, anything about the Civil War. And, and I had a couple of first-rate historians meet us out there. And uh, he just fell in love with Civil War history. And because of him, there is a Civil War National Park in the Shenandoah Valley that includes now uh, the Battle of Cedar, the, of Cedar Creek. Uh, yes, I... <laughs> I spoke there that day. Benning and I spoke there that day from Vermont. Uh, Joe's a good guy. Oh. And uh, the, the MC gave him a lavish introduction, but the MC didn't like me. Oh. Uh, and so when it came time for me to give the keynote speech, he, all he said was, Howard Coffin. <laughs> but it worked out beautifully because it, people thought that I didn't need an introduction. So anyway. We all know you, Howard. Um, that was a great day. Uh, it was that a wonderful really was. day. A I, beautiful day. Uh, yeah. uh, weather-wise, it was tremendous. And the thing about Cedar Creek as opposed to Gettysburg, which I also love, and Bruce and I are going back down there in a couple of weeks for a week, um, is that it's the battlefield. Cedar Creek yeah. is the battlefield. In Gettysburg, there's all the monuments and, and stuff placed where the soldiers fought for that particular brigade. But in, Getty, in uh, Cedar Creek, it's the battlefield. It's the houses that were there. And you really get a sense of history just being walking on the battlefield. And what I love with you and Joe, the soldiers that were doing the reenactment stayed in character even when they were talking to you, I just, I loved it. I, I just did. I was crying all over the place. <laughs> I, I get, well, I get, I love country mom apple pie sort of thing. Um, and I must tell you that we have a lot to cover here today. Oh, we have callers. Kevin Ellis. You even gave us your last name, Kevin. I think all you right. just interviewed um, uh, my guest a couple of weeks ago. I, I am going to overlook the betrayal of my rival talk show radio host in getting Howard on the show just to say uh, good morning, Pat, but also to recommend to anyone, uh, as my family did, to go to Gettysburg and hire Howard as your guide. Mm. Right. And, and the great moment is when, at the end, when you're on the spot of the Gettysburg Address, he will recite it uh, word for word to your group. I have heard him do that, and my husband reminded him, reminded me this morning. He said, "If you have time at the end, ask Howard to do the Gettysburg Address." But I, <laughs> I actually you. wrote I'll Kevin this morning that. to find your phone number. Did Great you see my note, Kevin? All. We had a little trouble this morning. Totally my fault. So I just bought him a dozen bagels. Hope he'll forgive me. I had a wonderful time at Gettysburg with your family, Kevin. And we had a good time a week ago watching Dartmouth beat Princeton in basketball, didn't we? <laughs> and, and more to come. More to come. Go. Absolutely. It's tournament bye time. Bye. Thank you, Kevin. Don't forget you owe me coffee. Yes, that's right. Yes, just that's remember fun. that. We'll see you. Thanks, that's Kevin. Um, we also have Fred from Newberry on the phone. Fred, do you have a question for Howard? Fred? Fred's not there. Okay. Well, sorry, Fred. He always calls in, and I enjoy his, his uh, questions. Okay. So, yes, in preparing for this show, yesterday you wrote me a note and told me that I have to list all this. You knew, because it was President's Day Monday, that you knew President Carter um Eisenhower, Nixon, Reagan, Bush, and some dealings with Hillary. You met LBJ and Lady Bird. 
and spent a day with Humphrey, Humphrey, and now uh, who was uh, Calvin Coolidge's son. How did you? Is that because of your newspaper connections or yes, historically? And 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 uh, uh, and a natural uh, curiosity about history. And I worked at Dartmouth for oh. seven years, and I handled. Uh, uh, the public relations for the VIPs that came. So I just met a ton of That's people, great. including Gerald Ford and, uh, oh, LBJ's daughter and, uh, Ronald Reagan. And, um, he was a problem. But anyway, uh, it was, uh, I, yeah, I have met an awful lot of people. I never met Eisenhower. Oh, but that, I was, I was, in, I was in the army. Yeah. Two years. And when my two years were up, uh, I was at Fort Hood, Texas. And they had put me on the Post newspaper. And they tried everything they could to, to get me to re-enlist. Ah. And I said, no, I'm going back to Vermont. I've got a job at the Rutland Herald up there. The commanding general finally called me in, a two-star general. And he said, Coffin, we're going to sign you up today to six more years. Oh my! I, no. I said, no, I'm going home. And he said, no, sign that paper right there, and you're going to Gettysburg to be an aide to Dwight Eisenhower. Oh, sign me up. You see, they knew my Civil War interest. Right. And, I mean, it was a clever ploy. But Was so he, he living on the farm there in yes, Gettysburg? Yes, he was. Yeah. And so I said, uh, I said, no. He said, Take a night to think it over. Come and see me in the morning. I went to the enlisted men's club that night. Sitting at the bar, I met an old sergeant. He had served with Eisenhower. He said, don't go near him. He doesn't like enlisted men. And There you are. Well, I wasn't going to do it anyway. But anyway, that was an interesting piece of information. Cool. I don't think Eisenhower was that bad a guy. <laughs> well, I love to farm. Every time we go to Gettysburg, oh, yeah, uh, the beautiful. farm is in, is in uh, what's a historic site. So yes. they keep it absolutely beautiful. It's part of the National Park It's now. beautiful. And, then they and have it should this, be. Yeah, it should for sure. Great general. Uh, yeah, he was. And of all the all of the folks that you have mentioned, and I just mentioned, Eisenhower would be one of the people that I would love to meet. I wish if, I had met yeah. him. I wish I had met him. I wish I, I would love to have talked to him about that moment when he decided to go on D-Day. That's one of the great military moments in the history of the world. That's right. Oh, well. Uh, I just thought he was just, I just love to listen to him talk and all that stuff. I was just telling Howard, when I lived in, in uh, New York, um, my office was right across the street from the Waldorf, and I used to flag taxis standing in front of the Waldorf. And one time, about three tra- uh, taxi co- tried to beat themselves to pick me up because they thought I was one of the Lyndon Johnson daughters. I don't know what that meant. I don't think any of them were models in their time. Well, Linda was a tall one. Yeah, I think that's a little on the heady side. That was that's uh, little, she, not not too yeah. much. She was she was at Dartmouth for a couple of weeks, oh. and she was a great person. Which, oh well, know. good because they thought that's who it was. I'm like, sorry, folks, this is it. Best <laughs> they can do. Anyway, I mentioned that Howard is an author, and um, I have heard him talk. Um, uh, about a couple of these books in person. And if you ever want to be enthralled for an evening, go listen to Howard Coffin talking. It's just amazing what he knows. So I wanted to talk about the books and, um, and then we'll get into talking about, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln and there's just so much to say. Can, the first book that I looked up was The Battered Stars. And could you give us, um, it, you use family correspondence to give us um, a glimpse into Vermont life. Could you talk about that book? Yes, I had six ancestors in the Civil War, pretty oh. Vermont regiments. And uh, so I worked a couple of them into the book. It's a story of the Overland Campaign uh, uh, 
40 days of fighting as the Union Army under Grant and Meade move to the outskirts of Richmond and the battles of the wilderness where Vermont lost 1,234 men. And then on they went to North Anna uh, and Cold Harbor and uh, also Spotsylvania Courthouse. Uh, maybe the great campaign of the Civil War, a bloody mess, 80,000 American casualties in 40 days. Wow. And I wrote Vermont's story. Uh, and that's the best book I've ever written, but it never sold. I don't know why. Well, there you I, go, folks. <laughs> I think maybe the title wasn't right. I don't know. But anyway, it's still there. It's still out there. And uh, it is the best book I ever wrote. Well, I'm going to have to check that out, Howard. I've got a couple of them, but not that one. Um, and I can see why you named it The Battered Stars if it's so bloody and that we took a little bit. It's a quote. The Battered Stars is a quote from a soldier who saw Ulysses Grant in the middle of the fighting. Ah. Uh, the only way you could tell his rank was by three battered stars on his shoulders. But I thought it was a nice uh, oh, way to describe the, the Vermonters who I were re- stars of the campaign. I related it without knowing that story to the flag yeah, that sure. the flag got the little tranced on. The second book I wanted to talk about was Full Duty. Um, that's the one. That's the one. That- that's the one because uh, growing up in Vermont, and always having an interest in the Civil War. My mother remembered her grandfather who was in the Civil War. My grandmother's uh, father was in the Civil War, so I grew up with yeah, Vermont. Right. But I, when I got uh, when I got grown up, and when I was working at the Herald, I took every every year I took my one week vacation and went to and went to the battlefields and I would read all winter long about wow. some campaign and then I'd go and find it but what I discovered was that the history of Vermont in the Civil War was lost the centennial had happened in the 60s you know uh-huh. a professor of mine Graham Newell you know I never got a degree I flunked out uh, had been chair of that commission but they never touched really the Civil War huh. It was Civil War history is lost, and I decided, by golly, I am going to rediscover Vermont Civil War history, and I think I did. Oh, I think you did, and, and, it's, I... and it's a story that's almost unbelievable. Um, and we just started talking about full duty, um, and if you want to just talk a little bit more about that book and um, what it what its message is. Well, it's a, it's, it's a history of Vermont and the Civil War, a readable history of Vermont and the Civil War. And uh, as I researched it and learned the story of Vermont and the Civil War, I couldn't believe it, that a little state like this was key to so many crucial moments in the Civil War. We saved the Union Army, really, in the wilderness, and if we'd lost that battle, I don't know what would have happened to the war. Uh, you can make the case that we won the Battle of Gettysburg. You can make the case that we won the Battle of Cedar Creek, which which won the Shenandoah Valley right. and really put a crimp into Lee, so Lee's efforts at, uh, around Richmond. And then uh, on April 2nd, 1865, we break the lines at Petersburg. Vermont leads the charge, and a week later... Hmm. 
Lee surrenders at Appomattox, a direct result wow. of that of that uh, attack. Yes. I mean, yeah. and there's a lot more than that. Yeah. It, it, we have a videotape, uh, three hours, and we have two of them, two hours and three hours. And on the th- three-hour videotape, they mentioned Vermont. It's a self-guided car tour. Yes. That we have we can just do it without even listening to the to the video anymore. We we even listen to it on the way home. They mentioned Vermont so much, like in Pickett's Charge. Yes. The, the Vermonters came over the hill, and somebody in the Frank said, "Oh, the Vermonters are here." I mean, it was yes. like we're okay now because Vermont's here. And Pat, never forget that we have a battlefield in Vermont at St. Albans. Correct. That is a that is an important event in the Civil War. It's a fascinating battlefield. I love to lead tours up there, and uh, you know it's it's it, it's fascinating. And with the museum up there, and they've got some brochures and uh, it's great. Oh, it's a it's a great site. If I say I've never been there, how bad is that? We'll take I'm, a ride someday. I, no, we will for sure. I'll, I need to treat you to lunch after today or dinner. And you talk a lot about. Lincoln's love for Vermont and how we, in turn, as Vermonters, um, responded to that to that love. And when he called, we were there, right? Well, of course, he never came here. Uh, but uh, he makes a couple of remarks. Uh, you know, he was careful uh, as a president, as the good presidents are, you know, n- not to seem to be a great favorite of one state. That's not the way you get elected, of course. Uh, but Lincoln, you know, uh, made uh, some remarks uh, throughout the Civil War to show that he was very aware of what Vermont was contributing to the Union war effort, wow. absolutely. And his wife, Mary, vacationed in Manchester during the war, the Equinox House, and she had made reservations for herself and the president to come uh, up in the summer of 65, but John Wilkes Booth took care exactly. of that. Well, so. in, in one of your comments, an explanation of the book, um, it said uh, that the, the Vermont doctor heard the president reply, I did not come here to see any generals because there weren't any to receive him. That's right. He said, I came to see the Vermont Brigade. That's How right. How cool is that? The Confederates were within six miles of Washington under Jubal Early. They very nearly captured the city. And the Sixth Corps, led by the Vermonters, got there just in time. They came up by boat from Petersburg. And Lincoln was so relieved to have, at last, the help he needed that he went down to the Potomac to see the troops unload. And That's great. There were the Vermonters. That's great. We were the first in a lot of things, too, speaking of why we fought the the war in the first place with uh, freeing the slaves. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, you know, it's uh, it's one of those uh, questions of history. Hmm. A, a good share of the soldiers, at least early on, uh, went to war not to free the slaves, right. but to save the Union. Right. But Lincoln, right. I am absolutely convinced from the very beginning, was out to free the slaves. But he knew that he couldn't win the war if he made the war right. all about that. Right. And he had to keep those border states that had slaves, you know, Maryland and Kentucky, in the Union. And uh, so he had to play a very delicate game and... He was a little bit dicey with the truth at times, but he kept <laughs> it his, worked for him. He kept his coalition together and wins yeah. the war and frees the slaves. There you go. Thank God. Well, I know you've been to the to the Gettysburg um, Memorial Battlefield, um, the the building that they have there with all the artifacts and your books and um, and their defi- their 
their explanation in one of the videos of why we fought the Civil War is a little different than what we have heard as as citizens. Um, they they focused it, uh, if I may. Um, uh, they said that if the if the South moved to the West with their slaves and and the the people that could help their economy, the North didn't want to see them move west. And I sat there in the audience. You have to listen to it. It was the weirdest explanation, definitely not what I heard, and and hope that's not the reason. Don't forget, uh, they're a border state. Uh, They're right on the edge of the South. This country is still very badly divided from the Civil War. And so they're a little, you know, they don't want to offend their Southern visitors. So they're a little happy, a little, a little cautious about, uh, keeping people happy there, you know, and, uh, so yeah, their, just, their, their statements aren't as strong as they could be, but they do have a wonderful museum. Oh my gosh, we go there, we've never, go to Gettysburg without spending at least a day or two. And, and if, we always leave a dollar in the Vermont bucket that's in the front hall. We, that's a tradition. And if you go to the cyclorama in the in the middle of that program, you think you're right in the middle of the battle. Oh, that is an, that's amazing. And they have uh, on Saturday nights, if you look, they have a woman that talks about the the cyclorama. It's called An Evening with the with the Painting or something. And then she takes you behind the cyclorama and you know that Lincoln's in in the pictures there, and and I, I, we've done that more than once too. Well, you're one ahead of me there. Paul. Oh, I you haven't, haven't done that oh, yet. you have got to do that, Howard. It is especially when they take you behind the cyclorama, and they show you all the things that are there that are real. I mean, they're paintings of real buildings and real people, just like um, uh, Julian Scott painted in the Cedar Creek uh, room at the at the State House. All the pictures you see are of real Vermont soldiers. Yes. Which is, is it just makes you feel, whoa, I, you look and realize these people are real. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, let's go back to the books. Um, the, the other one is nine months to Gettysburg. Um, and, and that's about nine months the to brigade. Gettysburg. Uh, <clears throat> as I was doing the, uh, my, the first book on the Civil War, I discovered the story of how these nine-month soldiers and Vermonters who were about to go home and had never been in a battle suddenly get thrown into, well, Vermont's George Standard, their commander, orders them out into no man's land there to attack the flank of Pickett's Charge hmm. at the height of the biggest battle of the Civil War, maybe the most crucial moment of the Civil War, and they destroy uh, Pickett's charge. And when I, you know, really got into that story and went to Gettysburg and figured it all out, I said, that's a book. Hmm. And Pat, do you know that when I, when you and I were, well, I didn't see you there, but when we were at that 150th at Cedar Creek, there were all those reenactors and they marched by at the end and one of them came out, one of the Confederates came out of the line of march came over to me and said, are you Howard Coffin? And I said, yes. And he said, darn you. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I was a month from finishing a book on Standard's Vermonters in the attack on Pickett's Charge, and your book came out. Oh. I said, well, go ahead and finish. He said, no. He said, you wrote a good book, and congratulations, and then he marched off. 
That must I have didn't taken know how close I came to getting school. Well, that I just we my husband and I love Gettysburg. We love the town, and you yeah. can go on any street in Gettysburg and see a monument to somebody or something. And um, and we camp there uh, seasonally for four for four years, and just the ten hour ride sort of as we were getting older sort of did us in. So we just go occasionally now, but loved it. Make sure. When you're that close, if you're at Gettysburg, make sure to go to Harper's Ferry. Oh, yes, we do that. Harper's Ferry. Well, I grew up in Woodstock, which is supposed to be the most beautiful village in America. Harper's Ferry's right there. We have to take a break, Howard, but we'll be right back to talk about Harper's Ferry. And we have some calls. If you can all hang on, we'll be right back at you. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, and I'm here with Howard Coffin, and we are talking about one of Howard's books called... Nine months to Gettysburg, and I need to, I ran across a quote from the New York Times, and it said, a Vermont brigade held the key position at Gettysburg and did more than any other body of men to gain the triumph which decided the fate of the Union. Amen. That's cool. Well, it, uh, I was reading things like that, and uh, as I was researching that, and I said, yeah, you know, can that be true? Well, it is true. It is true. And I said, here there is a book. <laughs> Well, do you know, I'm thinking about, we always talk about Vermonters. When there's ever a, a crisis or a catastrophe, we all step up. It must be in our genes, although I am adopted, not uh, born here, sorry. <laughs> but I love it. Um, maybe that's in our nature. Uh, we have an enviable record. Yeah. You know, I was, I've been working on a speech on Calvin Coolidge, which I'll be giving in June down in Bridgewater. And uh, I, I, I came on a quote that Coolidge used last night. When asked about his family, Calvin Coolidge would often say, we Coolidges don't go west. <laughs> That's Take a Vermont that, Put that quote. in your pipe. <laughs> That's funny. Now, the, the, there's uh, one more book. I, uh, it's The Guns Over the Champlain Valley. There's two more, actually. Two more. What's yeah. the second one? Women? Is uh, that a book? Women Something in... Abides. Is oh, my, yes, that's my, your my, That's my one. last Civil War right. book. And I did, uh, I included, uh, I drove all over Vermont, wore out three cars, went 150,000 miles, and came up with about 1,500 sites in Vermont. Oh, that's the book I want to get. the Civil War. Right. And uh, it took me seven years. Uh, my wife was helping me, but she got sick with cancer, and so that slowed down the whole process. Oh, uh, and uh, I lost her seven years ago, which was the great so blow sorry. Right. of my life. But uh, it took me a long time to finish it. Uh, you in the 250 Club? What's that? You in the 250 or 251? I've spoken four times, I think. Yeah. They it's just, a wonder, and I've been to every town, absolutely. Yeah, you yes. should uh, should get that recognition on your car. It's now 251, but they decided not to in, not to change the, oh, the number. It's 250, and that's because I can remember that. But Essex Essex Junction merged, and so it's 251. Oh, we can't have that. No, exactly. It's 250. Anyway, tell me about this book, Guns Over the Champlain Valley. Well, that was uh, That's, that came out of uh, uh, my time with Jim Jeffords. 
uh, we were uh, trying to get a national park established in the Champlain Valley for the military sites. You know, Mount Independence, Ticonderoga. Uh, you know, they're they're everywhere. Plattsburgh, the Battle of Plattsburgh. You know, they're everywhere, and we we sort of. Uh, succeeded halfway. One of the things that got done is that wonderful museum at Mount Independence, which of course was a Revolutionary War fort. But Jim had me up here in the Champlain Valley doing a report for him on the sites. And huh. when I uh, got through there, I had all this, uh, got through with him, I had all this information about it. And so uh, Will and Jane Curtis and I, uh, dear friends, they're both gone now, sadly. Uh, we spent a summer uh, writing that book, we had a wonderful time, and uh, it's a guidebook in history to the c- civil uh, the, the, to the uh, military sites mm-hmm. along Lake Champlain. That's great. It was fun. It's, a, it's it's just cool to be here and know all this is happening, um, and you're living here, uh, which never, is how we always felt at Gettysburg when we camped there. Every day there was something to do. There was either a lecture or a reenactment or a or encampment somewhere that you could go sure. talk to the soldiers and. Um, I just loved it. Jane and Jane uh, uh, Curtis and I were one early morning along Sucker Brook on the battlefield at Hubbardton. And Jane said, I've been to Gettysburg with you. I've been to Cedar Creek. But I never felt ghosts like I'm feeling them right now. <laughs> well, Bruce, I think I told this on the air. Oh, let me get to Fred from Newberry that he's been hanging on. And we have one other caller as well. Sure. Fred, I'm sorry. If I quit calling, uh, gabbing, you could get on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I yeah, know. So anyways, there was two reasons why the South could have never won the war. The first one was cotton, and the second one was the railroad. The railroad went north and south for a good reason, cotton. And the uh, Union controlled the railroads, and most of the battles were fought within marching distance of railroads. So the South... Never had a chance. There you go, Howard. Well, any uh, comments? Uh, I would dis- I, I would disagree with uh, one part of that. Uh, the only chance, in my opinion, that the, the South ever had to really win the war was cotton, because they were trying to bring the, uh, England and France, the European powers, into the war, and they were trying to lure them in with low price cotton. Uh, but the the common man in those European countries were so anti-slavery that they wouldn't allow their governments to link up with the Confederacy. So cotton almost did us in, but it didn't. Wow. Well, and everything they wore was made out of cotton. Everything right they wore down was made to out the. Of down to the cities and stuff. Absolutely. When we camped at Gettysburg, there was the same reenactor who who um, came and was right across from us, uh, from our campsite. And I don't know if you knew this, that when they when they moved the 150th to another location, um, I noticed that there were a lot of women, and we're going to talk about the women in the Civil War. Were running out the minute a soldier went down. They ran out, picked him up, and brought him all out of the field. And so I said to the guy, "I've never seen." Um, that before in the reenactments where, where there were so many people running out with, um, uh, what do they call them? To, to carry the soldiers. Anyway, he said to me, well, they changed the battlefield to an old cornfield. There were rats everywhere. And you didn't want to lay there very long because they would come to visit. And I said, whoa, that's just too much information. So that's why in that particular reenactment you saw 
people, the minute a soldier went down, they got him off the field because the rats were busy having corn. Well, that's news to me. Well, I, I just, that. that was incredible. He just, and, and every time he'd come back from the whole day of reenacting, he'd just drip dry everything he had on. He couldn't wait to get back to take the shower and it's all Wool or wool and cotton and just hot stuff. I took a busload of Vermonters to a reenactment at Gettysburg one year in July, oh. and it was too hot for the Vermonters. They came crawling back onto my air-conditioned bus and said the heck with exactly. it. Exactly, so, and it gets hot there. So Is we it, went out in the evening. <laughs> it's about four days of just brutal down oh, there, brutal, yeah. and we just stay. We either go. What we do it, when it was raining or really hot, we go to wineries. Because they were air conditioned and we would drink, I thought that was a very good use of our time. So, um, and in the guns over the the Champlain Valley, you did talk um, about the women in the Civil War included in that book. Not the focus of the book, but certainly um, you talked about uh, uh, the soldier home. Whole, I mean, the whole all of Gettysburg was at one time a hospital. Every house in Gettysburg has a plaque on it that says former hospital or former something. Yes, right? and, and and all of that was supervised by a Vermonter, Henry Jaynes, who lived here in Waterbury. He oh. was the surgeon in charge of all the wounded at Gettysburg. 20,000 wounded at Gettysburg after the battle, Union and Confederate. And wow. Henry Jaynes, who lived down where the library, in the house where the library is here, was in charge of all the wounded at Gettysburg. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, yes, uh, I'm giving, you know, I give uh, talks I'm uh, through the Humanities Council and, you know, otherwise throughout the state every year. I'm still doing them. And one of them is on women in the Civil War. I should write a book, but I'm not writing very well right now. Uh, You have to let us know when you're in that discussion. I have another caller who has been patiently waiting. Just I'm going to have trouble with the name. Jess Solato? Jess Waldo. Oh, sort of close. How are you? Thanks for holding on. That was very nice. Do you have a question for Howard? Yes. I want to ask an expert just a a general opinion on two uh, potentialities in the Civil War, kind of a kind of related to, but not directly related to the Vermonters. And I'll give the two and then let him discuss them. The, okay. the first is the effect of the death of Reynolds, specifically at the Battle of Gettysburg, specifically whether or not that would have uh, prompted the forward movement of the 3rd and the 12th Corps to the battlefield much earlier than they were. So I'm just curious about his opinion on that. And the second is that Burnside, I think, is greatly underrated in many ways because it appears he's one of the few Union generals who could actually move a small army, the twelve to 15,000 man range, and do something with it. And I just wonder if he had been in charge either in 1960, in 1864, either in the Valley or at the Petersburg staff, would the whole situation have been different? Well. Uh, Reynolds, in my opinion, was an overrated general. Uh, after he was mortally wounded uh, on uh, uh, out, out beyond uh, McPherson's Ridge, all on McPherson's Ridge, uh, Oliver Otis Howard, in effect, took over command and uh, the Union was becoming badly outnumbered uh, east of town and Oliver Otis Howard did 
beautifully what had to be done, and that was to withdraw uh, through Gettysburg to the high ground and establish a defensive position, which he did, and that's how, where the Battle of Gettysburg was won. Burnside, a horrible general, uh, he nearly slaughtered the Union Army at Fredericksburg, and he should have been fired two years before he was. Wow. Well, there you go. I'm impressed with both of you. Your knowledge, uh, Jeswaldo, is very impressive. Thank you for calling in. That was great. Okay, Howard, so... Um, you, you're talking about women in the Civil War. Yes. Um, and I, I listened a little bit to a video that you were talking about a, around the corner. What's the name of that TV show on WCAX? On CAX that you do. Oh, oh across the across fence. Across the fence. Yes. Across the fence. Oh, I yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah, that's well, she's wonderful. Um, could you talk a little bit about us women in the Civil <laughs> War? Well, it's, it's a, it's a great unwritten story, uh, that with 35,000 of Vermont's most able young men gone off to war, uh, the weight of running this state fell on the women. They ran the, there were 30,000 farms in Vermont then. There were 500 now. And, uh, they did it. Right. And they worked in the factories. And they worked in the hospitals. And it's an amazing story. And all the while, the soldiers at the front who weren't as busy as the women back here in Vermont <laughs> are writing letters home saying, send me a box of this, send me that, you know, as if there was nothing going on. Right, exactly. They had nothing to do. It was, uh, it was, uh, one of the, it's one of the great unwritten stories in Vermont history, how the Vermont women kept the home front going and made what we did at the front possible. And also, you know, there are some very uh, great women who got involved in the abolition movement and so forth. And uh, uh, it's it's a great story. And I tell highlights of it in a speech. Oh, I get really excited (laughs) about it. And, you know, people want to hear it. And, uh, you know, uh, since my wife died, I have had a writer's block. And I don't think I'm ever going to write another book. Oh. But if I did, it would probably be about women That's in the great. Civil War because they deserve it. Thank somebody you. else, somebody younger who's listening today, if you got Pick something, if you got it in mind to write right. a book, give me a call. I can get you started. That's no, oh, that's great. There you go, a challenge from Howard Coffin. You know, in World War Two, my mom was a welder when the men went off, and when they came Rosie back, Rosie the River. Yeah, that was my mother. We have pictures and everything. One 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 Christmas, my poor mother had everything about Rosie the Riveter as a, as gifts. So, um, the women in the Civil War. Um, they did just about everything, and it was similar to World War II. As I said, my my mom was a Rosie the Riveter, and uh, she gave the jobs back as they as these women did when the men came home, and that's well, what she did. Absolutely, yes. I uh, the uh, the uh, factories really were taken over by women in Vermont, in Woodstock, which is my hometown. Uh, women went on strike for shorter hours and higher wages. <laughs> In, in the Woodstock woolen mill where they made blankets for the, for the Civil War. And, uh, they not only won their strike, uh, but when, to celebrate, they went downtown in Woodstock to the most expensive restaurant. And, uh, they all had lunch and charged the bill to the owner of the factory. 
<laughs> Good for them. Wow. Yes. <laughs> We've got it. It's in the blood, I think. Anyway, um, I've heard you so often, and particularly in person, um, you're one of my favorite people here in Vermont. I just love to hear you talk. Um, you were at my church one time talking about, and I bought one of your books at the um, Berlin uh, Church, Berlin Congregational Church. All right. You had a lot of folks listening. Um, one other place we went to just re- Oh, we have one more caller, Howard, and let me get that before I s- start talking about something else. Brian from Eden. Brian, you have a, a question for Howard? Uh, yeah, I, I have a good woman's story from the Civil War here. For It's so good to hear you on the air, Howard. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, uh, up in Lowell, uh, my ancestress was uh, Bridget McLean, okay? And she came over after the Irish famine in uh, 1842, 43 to Lowell. And her husband died in the Civil War. And they kept sending a check, and McLang was not a popular name back then. And so they called her, uh, she got the check, it was long, L-O-N-G, versus McLang. Oh. And uh, she actually changed her name to cash the check. <laughs> and so my family is still long. Only we have no association with Longs. We were McLegs. And uh, she actually changed her name to match the check from her, her husband dying in the Civil War, which is an interesting story. Well, uh, it reminds me of a woman down in Stratford. Uh, she was 17 when she married an older uh, gentleman, and he went off to war and died. And uh, after the war, about 20 years after the war, she began getting an $8 a month pension. Somebody asked her as she was in her 50s if she was ever going to mar- marry again, and she said, I've never met a man that was worth my pension. So that would be $8 <laughs> a month. All right. Love it. Thank you, Brian, for uh, calling in. That was pretty cool. Um, Also, one thing I wanted to talk about before we end the show in a little while uh, was Antietam. And you said, and I quote here, um, you were being quoted, and you said uh, that the Civil War Battle of Antietam, an event in which Vermont troops fought, and one that you said led to a fundamental change in American values. Howard, what was that all about? Well, Antietam, Jim McPherson, uh, the great living Civil War historian, and is a dear friend of mine, and, and he, he and I were on a national commission together. Uh, he wrote a little book on Antietam stating that Antietam's the most important battle of the Civil War for one reason. It brought about the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation changed the Civil War from a war to save the Union to a war for human freedom. And it was after Antietam, which Lincoln considered a victory, it really was a draw, uh, that uh, that we began to fight openly uh, for human freedom. And... Uh, Lincoln took a chance in doing that. Uh, uh, was he going to lose the border state support? No, he did not. And he made the Civil War one of the great events in human history because we fought the war 
for human freedom. That's what uh, Gettys. That's what Lincoln was all about. He said it at Gettysburg. He said that we're fighting for human freedom in the Gettysburg Address. But it really, it was it, the 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 course of the war was changed at bloody Antietam, the bloodiest uh, day of the Civil War. Over twenty three thousand men were shot uh, at, on those fields. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't know if you've been there, Pat, but no, I have it, Maybe it's the yeah. most beautiful. I, of the battlefield. I was just going to say that. That is the most amazing battlefield just to walk around. It is absolutely beautiful with uh, streams and bridges and little hills in there. It's not flat like a, no. like the other, like Cedar Creek or, or Gettysburg. No. It's, it's, it's clearly not flat. It's uh, almost... It's almost surreal. It's almost yeah. as if it were created to honor its importance. It's a beautiful place yeah. for something beautiful that happened at a terrible human cost. Right. Yeah. And you said that was the bloodiest war? The bloodiest single day single of day the war. Single day of the Oh, okay. 52,000 mm-hmm. were casualties at Gettysburg. But at Antietam, they only lasted, the battle lasted one day, really, and 23,000 casualties. That's something you wrote. You said that Lincoln said it was the most important important thing he ever did was obviously uh, to free the slaves and the Emancipation Proclamation. He recognized the impact of yes, what he said. Uh, yes. Uh, he, when, he, when he signed the Emancipation uh, Proclamation, uh, which, of course, took effect at, at, at midnight on uh, uh, January 1st, 63, uh, he looked at those people who were around him and said, this is the most important thing that I will ever do. Uh, in Boston, 2,000 people were gathered in the music hall, including Julia Ward Howe, and at, as midnight came, they all sang the battle hymn oh. of the Republic. Oh. Uh, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, really wow. Yeah, I, um, I stand at attention and get very teary-eyed. I don't know why. I love this country, and I love what we've done to, to preserve it. You have a book there. Were you um, thinking of reading something there, sir? Well, I yes, I, I was. Because we don't have too much more time left, so I wanted to give you a chance. When Lincoln is... When Lincoln is coming from Springfield, Illinois, to, to Washington to take over the presidency, he t- makes a long train trip and makes a lot of speaking stops. And all his aides are saying, don't say anything important. <laughs> you know, because the right. southern the states are leaving right? and don't stir things up. And he, so he just he makes all these bland speeches. Right. But when he gets to Independence Hall in Philadelphia, he cannot control himself. Listen to Lincoln at Independence Hall. I have often inquired of myself what great principle or idea it was that kept this confederacy, the nation, so long together. It was not the mere matter of the separation of the colonies from the motherland, but something in the Declaration giving liberty not alone to the people of this country, but hope to the world for all future time. It was that which gave promise that in due time the weight should be lifted from the soldiers, from the shoulders of all men, and that all men should have an equal chance. This is the sentiment embodied in the Declaration of Independence. Now, my friends, can this country be saved upon that basis? If it can, I would consider myself one of the happiest men in the world. If this country cannot be saved thusly, I would rather be assassinated on this spot than surrender those rights. You see, he says in different words right there before the war even starts, 
the same thing he's going to say at, at Gettysburg. Right. Well, he we have resolved that this that these dead shall not invite in vain, that this nation of the God shall have a new birth of freedom. Same thing. You should be here in the studio with me, you all. This man is so passionate. I'm loving it. I think we could do another hour, Howard. But we've got other guests coming from Barry Area Development Corp. And in about a minute or so, Howard, I can't thank you enough. If you ever get a chance to listen to Howard talk about the Civil War, you will be just as enthralled as I am. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Pat. Thanks. We'll see you. Stay tuned. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. There. It's Pat McDonald gabbing away in the studio, forgetting to welcome you all on board. Uh, this is Vermont Viewpoint, and with me in studio are Emmy Green, Executive Director, and Sharon Alexander, Media Coordinators for the Barry Area Development Corp, Inc. I don't know what the, I thought it's, it's BADC, right? So it must be Corporation or BADC. BAC, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, as for those of you who know me, you know I'm, I love Barry. And I uh, used to represent part of Barry when I was in the legislature, so, and worked for Barry for 10 years part time. Oh, nice. Yes, that's it. So anyway, I'm very excited to talk about Barry. And as some people say, bar. Bar. I usually hang up when they, when you know they don't live here. <laughs> Barry. So first of all, could um, both of you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to Baddock? Sure. Well, thanks, Pat, for having us. No problem. My name this is, is M.A. Green, and I'm the executive director for Barry Area Development. I started with the organization in October of last year, um, 2022, and took the helm from our interim, Carl Rinker, who's also one of our board members. Prior to that, um, my predecessor was Cody Morrison, um, who was there for a while. Um, really happy to be in Barry um, and just be given the opportunity to serve. It's a wonderful community, mm-hmm. the city and the town. Um, and we are essentially um, the marketing arm for both the city and town, so our jobs um, are are quite full, um, busy with uh, economic development, growth, refurbing, revitalization of the downtown, and um, most recently a major housing project, which hopefully we can spend some time oh, talking absolutely. about. Oh, absolutely. That's great. <clears throat> and so, Sharon? Uh, Shannon. Oh, Shannon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm Shannon Alexander. I'm the marketing coordinator for Barry Area Development. Uh, I am the photographer, and uh, I actually started out doing volunteer work for the school district and started working with the Barry Partnership as their photographer and eventually ended up with Barry Area Development as well. Uh, So I help promote all of the positive things happening in Barry. We love Barry. And Barrytown, um, I, I think I called you back at one point. I, it was, um, I know, knew the former, um, manager for years and years, mm-hmm. Carl, and then now there's a new manager, so I'm sure you're going to be working with him. Yeah, Chris Violet. Yeah, and he's been board. there, he's been there for a while yeah, too, so he, was he just their stepped planning up. planning administrator for many yeah. years. Good for him. So you wanted, you gave me a little note here, it said you would like to focus on the campaign for Article 7 on the ballot on town meeting day. That that sounds important. What is Article 7? Well, Article 7 for all uh, 
residents of the city um, is basically asking our voters, folks who live in the city, to consider uh, an additional approximately $20,000 to our budget to allow us to continue to do the good work that we do, essentially, um, which is to be the marketing arm for the city of Barrie and ultimately the town as well. Um, This is particular to the city, this Article 7, which is going on the ballot. Um, And, you know, essentially it's about... uh, Approximately twenty thousand dollars, twenty four ninety two to be exact, that we are asking uh, the city for additional support for housing, business, and general economic development growth. Right. Well, after this show, they'll know exactly what you all have been up to because there's just the two of you, right? It is just the two of us. We are the mighty team of two, yeah. um, and yeah, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about the work that we do. For sure. Yeah, um, and the history as well. So, I mean, for those who don't know, Barry Area Development's actually been around since 1961. It's a very old, established, respected organization uh, in the city and town, and serves both the city and the town. Uh, we were responsible for the development of the Wilson Industrial Park. Um, which many people know, uh, the current uh, Highland Sugar Works building, uh, also the Wilson, uh, I mentioned the Wilson Industrial Park, but the Highland Sugar Works, which is within the the Wilson Industrial Park, we developed that. We also uh, helped to develop the Malden Mills, which is in Berrytown. That was sort of how we got going. Um, And then from there, um, we've been actively engaged over the years uh, in the work around City Place uh, and also helped to develop the Barry Revolving Revolving Law loan fund, which assists businesses. When you say help develop, what does that mean exactly? What's the hands-on work that you were doing for all these projects? Well, I mean, the the, the Wilson Industrial Park has been around for a while now, as has been the the Malden Mills, now known as Macaulay Meats, uh, Highland Sugar Works. Uh, You know, we were actively involved in the actual, you know, building um, and, you know, the helping with the you know, establishment of the loans and the grants right. that went into that effort years and years ago. It, since then, um, what the taxpayers in both the town and the city have continued to support us with year over year is general, and when I say general, it's quite broad, economic development growth. So we help to bring businesses to the area. People will call us and say, listen, I want to expand, or listen, I want to start a new business. What do we do? Can you help us find a place? Here's my parameters. I want to pay this much per square foot, or uh, I'm brand new to this type of industry. Can you help me find some grants? Can you help me find some loans? Great. So we do a lot of day-to-day work uh, at that level. Um, and I mean, just to give you a few examples of what we're currently engaged with, which is kind of exciting. Um, and then I'd love to give the floor yep. to Shannon, um, is, uh, we're talking quite actively with, um, business partners up in Burlington, um, who own the Venetian Soda Lounge. Um, Justin Bunnell is considering an expansion down to Barry City. Um, if you've been up there, uh, I haven't. I just oh, was intrigued by the name. What is the business? Yeah, so it's quite an interesting story, and I'm not going to do it justice because um, it's Justin's family story. But the Venetian soda plant, actually, um, the soda plant itself on Pine Street, which many people are familiar with, was originally started by his grandfather uh-huh. back during the Prohibition era. 
and um, they were making sodas during the Prohibition era when no one could, you know, um, buy booze. Uh, and he did very well for himself. Um, and over the years, I'm not really sure all that happened, um, but what Justin is trying to do is actually bring that back. So he's Great. actually looking for manufacturing space down in Barrie to uh, manufacture and sell his sodas, which he currently sells at his Venetian Soda Lounge. And the Soda Lounge is essentially this amazing um, – Beautifully appointed speakeasy uh, in in Burlington uh, that brings in major international acts, and he wants to do the same thing in Down and Barry. So we're talking with him, Great. which is pretty exciting, and his business partner um, who owns Brio Coffee Works. So we're talking with them as well. Um, and another big thing, just to mention that we are uh, starting to help with is um, bringing a printing press back to Vermont. Nice. Uh, nice in central Vermont, in the Barry area. So we're great. talking a little bit with the Times Argus about that. That's great. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, uh, Shannon, um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do as media coordinator? That, I love that title. I said, I want to be that. <laughs> I, yeah, I am extremely fortunate to be present for all the things that I am in Barry. Uh, so every exciting thing that happens there is what I'm usually present for, but... Uh, I I think a lot of people don't realize that Barrie is really reemerging as an exciting place yep. to be in Vermont. It is. Uh, we have such a rich history and so many exciting things happening and a lot of growth. And uh, I'm really excited to be showcasing that. Yeah. Well, you've gotten so many new wonderful restaurants and, may I say, the AR Market. I adore that place. I have, I'm hooked. Well, Shannon can tell you a little bit about Air Market. And Shannon, I will say, is really a, a pillar in our, in our, in our little world down there. She's been there forever, grew up there, has quite a history there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah I, among all the things that I do in Barrie, I also work in Air Market and it's a great location to, <clears throat> excuse me, to be, we have so many people traveling through town and stop in and get pizza at Pearl Street Pizza right. and uh, come in for Italian things that they can't find elsewhere. And it's a wonderful opportunity to sort of talk about the community and tell everybody all the exciting things that are happening, not only in that location, but Barry in general. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little hooked on A&R. Yeah, I, for, really, uh, I enjoyed your guys' recent interview. Yeah, that was well. Peter's got so much Kayla. energy. It's kind of... Off-putting a little bit. I got exhausted just watching him. He was great, and he and the prosciutto right from Italy. I mean, it was just amazing. The frozen uh, uh, lasagna that they make there, the oils. We're having an oil um, taste off when oh, we're going to. We, yeah, exactly. Oh, we're nice. going to. We're going to. I have an oil that I think is really great, and he said, "Poof, no." So we're going to do a blind taste test uh, for oils oh. as soon as I can get my photographer and and my schedule in sync. We're going to do that. It's, um, it, yeah, I'd have to say it's fun to be in there and to see people's surprise because there's a lot of misconceptions about what Barry is. And so when they come in and they see all the exciting stuff happening, you can see it visibly on their faces. They're blown away. And everything happening in that building and so many others in Barrie are just – it's a wonderful time and catalyst for more exciting things to us. And Peter's uh, his main company was the Salumi company yeah, where he Vermont makes all Salumi. of his salami. Right. And he opens a door in the back and there's rows and rows and stacks and stacks of salami. It's pretty how, cool. How cool is that? Exactly. Yeah, Barry is really on the cusp of so much growth. I mean, if you think of 
kind of what um, White River Junction has done and right. St. Albans, Virgins. We're doing that in Barrie. And they do need people like yourself in White River Junction. Um, they have a couple of spokesmen who just do nothing but talk about White River Junction, and that's what's mm-hmm. needed. Um, there's a little misconception of Barry out there, and I love Barry. And I think when the reconstruction was done on Main Street, there was an assumption that Every, it was all the the stores would all be filled and everything, but it takes time to develop relationships and develop uh, it does uh, transfer it, to the city. It does, yeah. And I think it would probably be good. Um, and Shannon, jump in to spend yeah. a little bit of time clarifying the partnership uh, and Barry Area Development. Oh, that's well. excellent. We're going to take yeah. a quick break and then we'll come back. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Pam McDonald, back with you on Vermont Viewpoint at WDEV. I'm here with Emmy Green and Shannon Alexander, um, and they are with the Barry Area Development Corporation. Shannon, take it away. Oh, no. Amy, you wanted to talk about... Oh, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, Prospect Heights, right. a housing project. Um, so some of you may be familiar with the Northern Borders Regional Priority List, Um that's been in existence now for several years. Uh, it's a federally funded program um, called Northern Borders Regional Priority mm. List. Uh, also, the acronym is NBRC. Um, we were actually named, uh, Barry Area Development was named number five for this list for this current year, for 2023, for uh, what we are proposing um, and calling the Prospect Heights Project um, on Prospect Street in Barry, about half a mile up from the Opera House on your left-hand side is a 30-acre tract of land that has yet to be developed. It's right. one of the very, very few remaining pieces of land in the city itself. Um, and so we've jumped on board, obviously trying to address this housing crisis we're all living everywhere, right. um, particularly in Barrie, um, and are proposing a project which, um, said and done over the course of several years, would uh, likely amount to over 100 housing units to help address uh, some of the workforce issues that, of course, two of the large employers in the area have, the hospital, CVMC, Central Vermont Medical Center, and then also the school district. Um, and then just in general, um, what we're envisioning essentially is a hillside of housing that would run from affordable um, to market rate. So we're also talking with Downstreet as well. Um, what we uh, are working on right now is uh, preparing for a grant, um, which, um, if we are approved, would allow us to draw down approximately around a million dollars in infrastructure funding to start the project. Uh, ideally sometime next spring to actually break ground and start the infrastructure to bring in a road, tie into existing electric, water, sewer, et cetera. That's a nice location, too, up there. It is. It's it's totally within walking distance of Mm -hmm. the downtown, um, very central. Very nice. And what's the reaction you're hearing from the residents? People are very supportive, uh, of course. Um, I think everybody um, wants to make sure that it's, you know, it's something that people can afford. Um, right. And hence why we're talking with Downstreet and then also looking um, to work with, with developers to That's put great. in single-family units for, you know, folks who may work at the hospital or at the school district or other large employers in the That's area. Because, honest, everybody's got a f- uh, help-wanted sign out there. It's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the workers are. We've had this discussion on this show a couple of times. Where are they? Where'd they go? Exactly. And how are they surviving? You need to work. You need to build a career. But that's another show. Um, I just have to say, though, we really have a pretty strong workforce in Barrie. You do. The uh, 
the will and uh, industry behind the people of Barry is really deep rooted. Yep. So it's a. It's I agree with you. Movie. The people of Barry are amazing folks. I really enjoy. I enjoyed working there and just hanging around. There's lots going on all the time. There is lots going on, which leads me to um, just. Letting folks know a little bit more about, I think, not only what Barry Area Development does, which is what we're talking about here right. today, but also our, our partner in this, the Barry Partnership, right. just to kind of differentiate these two amazing organizations that support the city and the town. Yeah. Being that I work for both Barry Partnership and Barry Area Development, I can speak very clearly about uh, the different uh, the differences between the two organizations. Um, there's constant confusion, and I I think I get most people literally combining the names to uh, <laughs> Barry Partnership Development or some form of that. Right. But so the Barry Partnership is a designated downtown organization. So we focus on vibrancy and um, general vi- revitalization and. Uh, that kind of enthusiasm downtown, supporting our existing local businesses and um, having events. We do the the weekly farmer's market in the summer. We do the Heritage Festival, uh, Food Truck Thursdays, concerts in the park. There's a lot of really exciting events yeah. that everybody should come to Barry for uh, versus – uh, and that's uh, Tracy Lewis is the executive director, yeah. and she's amazing. Yeah, uh, Tracy was on the show she does a little a while. She job. was amazing, and a one-man band, a one-woman band. She but is. She's it. She's all by herself. What she does yeah. is incredible. Yeah, she really has. The Heritage Festival yeah. alone would get me a little. It's amazing. Oh my God. And the craft show too. She oh, just yeah. she just kicked off the craft show. Yeah. Craft show. She brought that back. Right. Yeah. She, she keeps finding more. Um, yeah. There's a a big concert coming up. The recycled, recycled percussion, percussion on April 1st. Uh, yes, everybody oh, should buy. Oh, we talked about that. Yes, everybody should yeah. buy tickets to that. It's going to be incredible. Uh, so whereas the Berry Partnership focuses on uh, the downtown and events and things like that to keep uh, the public uh, enthusiastic, and uh, we are a economic development organization. So we focus on bringing business to Barry. We focus on housing. We do both Barrytown and Barry City. Uh, so a lot of the events and things that happen with the Barry Partnership, you see the instant gratification of all of that. So it's kind of always yeah. in your face. And Barry Area Development, we have a lot of we have a lot of things happening that you don't really see until they come to fruition. Like, I, I think well, when, like one thing I wanted to mention, my predecessor, actually Cody Morrison, wrote a grant uh, that has been awarded for about $3.4 million whoa. for renovations to the Barry Auditorium. Oh, that's, so that's oh, that is so that in need. I was in need when I worked there. Yeah, another $2.2 million for a, a grant to help repair the Dix Reservoir Dam in Orange in East Barry. He also wrote that as well, which has been awarded. Yeah, we need the dam Process to work. Street Heights project. You know, these are all long-term, right. major uh, renovation work, sort of right. long-term strategic thinking. Um, that, that the well, and the all, they all of those are, are so worthwhile. But the audit itself is just they got so much uses for it. If it would, and, and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, there was a discussion about that when I worked there years ago. Yeah. So. so I mean, if there's any question, I think to the general public as to what we do and our value as they go to the ballots, specifically people who live in the city on, right. on town meeting day, this is the work that we do. Yeah. You know, we write the grants that help to repair the auditorium, help That's to repair right. the dams. We're doing a major housing project, which will amount to over a hundred yeah. housing units for the public. That's this is right. the work that we do that we need the you public have to got support. An 
amazing board. I bet they are hand uh, rolling we up the sleeves, do. jumping in people. We do. We have a wonderful board. We have a working board, which is right. wonderful, unique, I will tell you. Um, and over 15 members just jumping in, um, all of them you know, pillars of our community, right. bankers, lawyers, school teachers, business people, uh, you name it, that are all very engaged, all very supportive of what we do. That's great. Barry Area Development has a long-standing history of accomplishments that I think a lot of the community, I mean, still, Barry Area Development is virtually unknown to most of the community. Uh, so it's hard to ask everyone to vote for something that they're not even familiar with, but that's where I'm coming in now and trying to help show the not only the accomplishments, but help uh help bring in more business and show all the good that Barry has to offer. Well, weren't you guys in, involved in the, the Barry Rock Solid? Was yeah. that your that yeah, was Barry your Barry Rock Solid right? um, is one of our uh, marketing brands. Uh, Barry the Heart of Vermont is another one of our marketing right. brands. So, yeah, we are the marketing arm for the city and the town. That's great. Um, and, you know, I, I keep going back to it, but um, it seems maybe to some who don't know who we who we are. Hopefully, this helps to clarify it. Shows like this, um, it may seem like twenty an ask for an additional twenty thousand um, dollars right. is a lot, but it really isn't Not really, in the for grand scheme do. of things for what we're doing. Yeah, I Emmy, mean, we have a, a caller, Forbes from East Corinth. Forbes, you're on the phone. You have a question for my guests? Hi. Yes. Well, kind of a statement actually. Um, it's. Beyond my recognition as to why anyone interested in advancing Barry's business climate has allowed Route 302, which comes into Barry, it's a basic route, and it covers Groton, Topsom, and Corinth with a population of potential business people of 44,200 people. But I could not, never understand how they, anyone interested in furthering Barry's economic thing hasn't uh, been screaming about the condition of Route 302 and allow the state to let that road deteriorate to the point it's at. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Emmy, can you answer that? Cause, um, yeah, I mean, that's a great, great statement or, or question. Um, certainly something we care very much about. Uh, I think in collaboration with, you know, it, with that effort, obviously with the town and the city and the state. The state. Uh, it's a, most it's a state road. It, it is a state road. Uh, we certainly uh, would back any effort um, to, to, to start to start some right. work there right. uh, for sure um and and that's a great that's a great statement in that you know that's that's the kind of stuff that we do get behind as well um you know there's a litany and i, I could have brought it this morning so i'm sorry i didn't but of over a hundred and twenty projects that we are actively involved with um at the state level at the town level at the city level um with with projects like that um with certainly you know bringing in smaller businesses um but 302 you know, as you know, it goes the whole way to Maine. Um, and if you drive into Vermont and hit hit the Barry area of 302, uh, certainly one thing that that I'm passionate about is as I get more into this role is is the vibrancy of developing that corridor. Certainly, um, any of the the routes that come into right. that central area of Barry, of Barry. Um, you know, for instance, we're talking with a gentleman who's interested in opening up a coffee shop on 302. Um, Take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, to talk about the revitalization. I love that word. 
It's my new my new favorite word. Anyway, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We'll be right back with you. Hi there, it's Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. I'm here with Emmy Green, <coughs> excuse me, and Shannon Alexander from the Barry Area Development Corp. And um, we were talking about Barry Rock Solid. Has that that's really kicked off, hasn't it? They people love it. Yeah, I see so it everywhere. It's a it was a marketing effort um, and a brand that we use. Um, we recorded now six different um, videos, which you can check out on our website. Great videos to by promote the way. Barry. Our most recent one was kind of exciting. Uh, we did with Willem Lang, um, who's really the voice of New England. Lovely gentleman. Um, uh, certainly, we can. Uh, post a tag to that to your to your yeah. website afterwards. Um, definitely check it out. It just talks about and encourages businesses and families certainly to consider relocating and expanding to Barry. Um, shows some beautiful photography of Shannon's uh, in the midst and is wonderfully done by Tony Campos, who's also on our board of Video Vision. We know Tony. We've interviewed him. We love Tony. That's cool. And so you're also involved with Barry Town, and I've been looking through my notes. I didn't know how many um, subsets or whatever little mini towns are involved in Barrytown. I hope you know them by heart. Well, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, um, Graniteville, Websterville. Graniteville, Websterville. There's an East Websterville, East. I believe, technically. Is that right, Shannon? Yes. Yeah, East Websterville. Yeah, so it's a it's a Barry Town sort of wraps around Barry like a like a horseshoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Barry City is four square miles, and then the town itself wraps around. Yeah, um, pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean I, that was all formed as a result of you know the rich history and culture of the granite industry right. way back in the day. Um, you know the granite workers were all up in the quarries, and um, you know. The city was formed around that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. Um, I read an article that called the Barry area a, an upcoming micropolitan area, which I love that. I never saw that word before, but it's a little microcosm of a giant metropolitan area. Is that sort of the definition? Yeah, Absolutely. Barry has definitely got a great urban feel to it, but still has kept on to a lot of the, uh, old culture and um, blue collar authenticity that uh, people sort of uh, don't um, people sort of lose touch with. I think in Vermont now, um, and Barry has really held on to its authenticity while still progressing and becoming more urban. Mm-hmm. So it, you feel it when you're there. It's very authentic and genuine. Yeah, I, I think why we came up with this other marketing uh, term, Barry. The heart of Vermont. Right. It really is. I mean, I uh, have been working down there since October of last year, and it is just such a rich, diverse hub. Uh, I, Shannon and I were talking the other day. It's almost like what we would love to see is sort of become like the new Brooklyn. Like you think of it that way. Like it's the third largest city in Vermont. Right. And it's happening. Yeah, and and developing and growing and I mean you think of like Brooklyn, what Brooklyn is to New York City kind of that same sort right. of concept obviously on a much smaller scale. Um, um, Brooklyn's got Brooklyn has changed over the years mm-hmm. so much. My family was from Brooklyn, and um, but there's so much history. Oh yeah, there. for it's sure. It's just for this sure. rich culture, yeah. and Barry is very much the same way. And I think and I I read a statistic that said Barry is the second largest labor market in Vermont. So that must be a real attraction to businesses mm-hmm. who want to come. 
It is. It's more affordable, too, certainly, than Chittenden County. So if you're looking to expand, I mean, I'll use Justin Bunnell from the Venetian as an example. He's looking to expand. He wants to open up a manufacturing facility. It's a lot less expensive to go down to Barrie and lease or even build. Yeah, and it is very convenient because it's right off 89. Exactly. Um, you can you can get there from here. You really can. <laughs> it's not far. I mean, it's it's yeah. 15 minutes from Waterbury. Right. I mean, it's not far from any place, right. and, and whether you're going to Boston or Montreal or right. New York, you know, the airport's not far. Exactly. It's very it's, central. It's, and they, the, the whole highway system into Barrie was very – it was planned very carefully, you know, yeah. for the trucks coming in and out with the granite. And it's it's served – you know, the area very well and continues to. Yeah, you never see, I just no, remember that, you don't see a lot of the trucks, they they must scoot around the city somehow. Well, a lot of them are taken in and out, the, the, the granite trucks uh, you're talking about are yeah. on train, so a lot of them actually uh, come in and out on train. Well, that explains yeah. that. Yeah, yeah because uh, trucks can do you in sometimes. Yeah. The trains are great, you see yeah. them throughout the summer, it's very predictable, you see them coming through town loaded with granite, it's actually really beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah, really cool. cool, yeah, and the granite, you've got the white granite, you've got the the pink, you got the black, very gray. It's gray. So there cool. you go. Yeah, yeah. So much history there. I love going. I love bringing visitors up there because uh, to Rock of Ages because you can go inside and watch them actually carving and and moving these huge. It's alive and around. well. Yeah, it's alive and well. And it, I mean, they they have customers all over the world. You can find buried granite everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. spent a lot of time in Granite Sheds in the last year, and there's something, and I didn't, so I grew up in Barrie, but it's not something I spent time doing, but now as an adult, I've been in there taking photos so much, and you just feel this sort of electric charge when you right. walk in, and it's yeah. just this wonderful throwback, and all these um, incredible, talented workers uh, yeah. doing something so historical. Yeah, it's really, it's amazing, and they've had a lot of... Um, um, my mind. Um, um, when you write and get get permission, you can, you're the only ones that can use a certain thing. What Copyright. Thank you. Good grief. <laughs> I have to go home now. Um, anyway, uh, we do have a call from Tim um, from Corinth. Tim, do you have a question for our guests? Yes. Uh, well, first I'd like to say thank you for being on the show. Um, it's really enlightening to hear all the great plans for Barry. I'm currently a businessman. I, I own a few apartment buildings. I invest in Barry. I buy a couple apartment buildings, in, and I say apartment buildings, so they're small buildings, four or five units. Uh, question for you, is there anything in the works to uh, look at the parking structure in Barry City? And why I say that, we have a parking ban from... And, and you could correct me on this. It's, I think it's from like November 15th till April 15th, maybe, or May 1st. So overnight, no overnight parking in Barry City. And that really affects uh, the potential clients that we can rent to as mm-hmm. landlords here in Barry City, where I know that Montpelier, it's only a parking van when the snow flies. Yeah, that's a great question um, and one that certainly I can bring uh, and chat with our city manager, Nicholas Dorelli-Castro, about. I, I completely hear your concern. I can see why that would, you know, uh, why that is a pickle for folks. Um, that that would be a discussion for our city council members and, and for our city manager. There are a lot of people that live up above the stores, are there not? Uh, there's certainly a lot of apartments, yeah, yeah right there now, in the downtown Some towns area. do um, op, uh, opposite sides of the street. They, they One night it's the left hand, next night so that they can clean the streets, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the reasons they do that. 
Um, well, that's a good question. Thank you, Tim. That's really great. Um, and so who is the uh, city manager? So Nicholas Storelli-Castro is the new city manager. He started in July of last year. Um, oh. And that's something, I mean, that's a, certainly something I'm happy to bring to him and yeah. chat with him about. That's great. Yeah, I worked with Steve when... Uh, when he was there. Yeah. That's cool. He was only going to stay two years. I think he stayed way more than two <laughs> a couple years. More than two years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, when you were talking about the projects that you, um, were, were involved in. And I found on the website this opportunity zone, which is really, they call the, it's going to be a TIF district, you hope? Yeah. So the opportunity zone is also known as the TIF district. Um, we are, will soon be actually starting the process to apply uh, to become a TIF district as a result of this Prospect Street housing project. So the Prospect uh, Heights uh, project is essentially, like I mentioned before, about a half a mile outside of the city, up on the hill away from the Opera House. It's technically outside of the downtown designated area. Um, and when you're in an, a downtown designated area, you're eligible for uh, many additional types of grants and funding as a result of that. So we probably will be starting that process of applying to actually expand that into more of a community neighborhood and what's called a TIF district. Excellent. Yeah, I'm very supportive of TIF districts. I think they, they're to the benefit of everybody, even though there's a lot of opponents. It means tax incremental financing district, and whatever tax you collect in that district gets put back into that district. For um, uh, infrastructure, for whatever, yeah, Yeah. and uh, you know, with putting in this development, knock on wood, that it you know is approved, and and we start this process, we will be, uh, gosh, I'd have to pull up the exact figures, but helping to increase the grand list. Tenfold wow, with that's over 100 great. housing units. Yeah, they that's only, a really important they, thing to point out to the community is, is how huge that is, and, and that is wholly a, a Barry Area Development effort that right. we're, that we're engaged in. That's this great. Year. And you have a list. Oh, um, I need to do, back up a little bit and talk about Barrytown because sure. we need to give them equal credit. Yes. Um, the thing I know most about Barrytown is the Millstone Trail. That is it's just stunning. a treasure and a huge head. asset. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's incredible. If you haven't been up there, it's definitely yeah. worth a visit. The view. Is it's breathtaking. Yeah. Um, there's a part in the that's overlooks the Grandview uh, yeah. Lookout Trail. When you uh, when you walk onto this trail, what's really extraordinary about it? First of all, I as I was mentioning, I grew up in Barrie and I spent time walking out here before it was a legitimate trail, and you could see all the quarries, and you're sort of just it's otherworldly. And then now uh, maintained by Millstone, you go out and. It's stunning trails, uh, and then there's all these incredible granite sculptures along the way. Right. That So it was already otherworldly, and now it's straight-up magical. And you get to the very end, and it's just this incredible open view yep. of the entire valley and Barrie City. And uh, anybody should come to Barrie and experience this. It's, it's really Yeah, there's, all, there's nothing like the quiet of a quarry up there. You stand right. up there on any, any time of the year, and just the, the silence of the rocks around you is... Right. It's almost deafening, but in a wonderful way. No, it's, it's, it's incredible. incredible. I agree experience. with you. It's very calming. It is very, very calming. calming. Yeah. So you've got an, uh, on your website, you've got a list. It says Opportunity Zone Description and Project Summaries. You have a list of, um, one, two, well, let's count the numbers. That would be good. Five. I see that. There's five um, buildings and possibilities, uh, potentials that you've put out there uh, for people. I don't know if you want to cheat off my sheet here. Oh, sure. um, it also has a 
the on that list, it's got pictures of every one of the projects. Yeah. And it talks about possibilities of uh, making the facility bigger um, and what opportunities are there. So what a great promotion. Yeah. I, and honestly, this is just a small little list. I think I mentioned earlier, we, we our projects probably range over 120 that are actively ongoing. Like some, similar to this list? Similar to wow. this list. Some larger in scale, i.e., you know, the Prospect Heights, some smaller, you know, uh, just the other day I was talking with a gentleman who uh, is a woodworker. And just to give you an example, these are the kinds of things that we do. He's uh, just uh, on his own. Uh, his, his woodworking business is expanding, and he, he's ready to take off, you know. He wants to hit the national market. He right. makes a very unique thing, uh, you know. But this, yeah, I mean, this list on our website um, is certainly um, just – a sampling of right. the kinds of projects that we're engaged in. And we put this up here for people to, you know, certainly if you're interested in reaching out to us about any one of these right. open, vacant uh, projects, please do. The other thing I wanted to mention, which is kind of exciting that we're working on with the uh, the, the high school, with Spalding, is working uh, with them um, and a couple of their students this year to develop an online interactive map oh. of all available commercial uh, real estate uh, for the area so that we can more seamlessly work with folks who call us from Canada or Florida or Great. the the guy I mentioned earlier, the woodworker who just needs a, a new and bigger shop, um, send them to this. So it's, it's going to be quite an effort. Um, we're working with uh, the city and the town. Um, to get information from their databases, uh, from their databases to build this. That's great. And, and all of our yeah. realtors. Yeah, we're going to come right back to Emmy in just a minute to talk about the, the students and their work. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. This is Pat McDonald with Vermont Viewpoint. Um, we're back with our guests um, from the Barry Area Development, and we're talking about projects and um I would like to spend a little time talking to Shannon because um, she's got an amazing background and, and we need photographers, good ones. We were just talking about um, getting into Dan Dan's office at the Barry Opera Dan House Casey. to Dan Casey. He was on the show, too. I love Dan. Yeah. Wonderful. I know his brothers, too, so we uh, we have a little history. He's anyway, one great asset to yeah. the community. He does. He knows so much about theater and, oh, my word, what he can bring to Barry is pretty amazing. It is. With, with he does a, an amazing probably job. a little limited yeah. budget, not quite. Oh, he com- does some. He he brings some wonderful yeah. things to the opera. And house. they've redone that. Were you guys involved in that a little bit? That Barry Opera House is spectacular. It's amazing what they've what they've done to yeah, the Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Okay, young lady, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've mentioned twice now that I grew up in Barry. Uh, I was raised in Barry Town. Went to Barry Town Elementary, Middle School. Graduated from Spalding. Uh, soon after, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area and started a career in luxury hospitality. I worked at the Ritz Carlton in Half Moon Bay, and got so homesick for the East Coast pretty quickly and transferred to the Ritz Carlton on Central Park in New York City, where I worked in guest relations. 
um, taking care of VIPs and having really kind of mind-blowing experiences, but always being homesick for Vermont. And uh, when my... We were there for about six years, and then my ex-husband and I decided to start a family. We had our first child and immediately moved back to Vermont and bought a house back in Barrie. And that was going on 12 years now. And um, my kids go to Barrie City Elementary and Middle School, where they have they're getting an amazing education. Uh, the school district is fantastic. They have amazing, dedicated employees. Uh, they need all the support they can get for all the wonderful things that they do. Um, but yeah, I started volunteering, uh, taking photos for the school for the same reason that I knew all these amazing things were happening there that the community never really got to see. Uh, and from there, uh, I became familiar with the Berry Partnership and reached out to Tracy Lewis soon after she began uh, seeing uh, all the incredible things that she was doing for the community. And I immediately said, I want to photograph everything for mm-hmm. you. I want to show it's it's not just the school system. It's all of Barrie. There's so many wonderful things happening here that even the people in our own community never see. And uh, I want to help change everybody's perspective. And so I started, yeah, I started working with Tracy and um, she really got the, the ball running for uh so many incredible things and uh yeah from there it's just it's kind of history is it? yeah and and the organization Barry area development uh brought shannon on uh last spring um on a contractual basis uh to assist us and help us with what we're being asked to do right. which is to completely revitalize um the area um, and she's been doing a fabulous job with that since then. Um, we are, as I think everybody knows, supported by taxpayers, by both the town and the city. So every year we go to the town and the city, um, and uh, as do many other organizations, and ask for assistance to continue the good right. work that we do, you know, uh, like the Prospect Heights Project, um, like bringing in over $7 million to the city and the town for reparations to the auditorium for the Dix, uh, Dix Reservoir Dam uh, and countless other projects. I don't know if we have the time to kind of go through here this morning. Sure. Um, so having Shannon on our team is absolutely integral and crucial to the success of our work in the community. Um, and... Her background speaks volumes. Shannon, thank you for sharing that with everybody. Um, and the reason why we brought her and her on specifically is because of her background right. um, and how steep she is in the community and how well she knows it and how well respected and loved she is in the community. Um, so our ask to voters now uh, with Article 7 on town meeting day is to help support that and right. the good work that we do. Um, that's we, great. we really can't do it without yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, Sean, did you go to school to learn photography, or was this an OJT thing? I was always an artist, and it, it was just mm. sort of uh, – it, it was just a natural course Extension. that I took. And yeah. I'm yeah, I'm self-taught. Uh, so when we moved back to Vermont, I sort of ended my career in hospitality, uh, did a little bit in food and beverage, raised – was a stay-at-home mom, and in that process, uh, learned photography. <clears throat> great. Where did you say you worked in New York City? Because I applied for a job at that hotel. The, the Ritz-Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton. Carlton. Yeah, I wanted to work property. in a hotel in, uh, 
in New York City like I just did. But Yeah, no, it was yeah. – we were probably at that time one of the top three hotels yeah, in New York City. Yeah, for sure. It was, it's unbelievable. Oh, There's but, still – yeah. As they say, it didn't happen. So here I am at WDEV <laughs> in a room that's a throwback to the 1940s. Just, oh, this is a great I, place. I try to encourage everybody to come into the, the studio because it's a crack up. I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So um, if you go on their website, um, you know, you have a list of all the things that are in the area. And you don't, as you just said, you don't think about it. It's like being in New York and never going to the Statue of Liberty, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, get out and get to know your community because there's so much in Barry and Barrytown. Um, trails to walk, um, restaurant, restaurants. There's a new, um, what did we say? New restaurant. I was calling it Russian the other day and apologized profusely. The because Brazilian, it's, the Brazilian, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. It's wonderful. It's a steakhouse. How it's cool is so that? Good. I've got to go there. Yeah. That's great. And there's the Meltdown. There's the Meltdown. Uh, A&R Market. I mean, there's yeah. just – and the um, um, Cornerstone with their restaurant across the street, yep. the two local guys. Yep. And, and we're, talk, we're talking yeah. about bringing the Venetian. Yep. We're looking at a potential Mexican Firehouse, restaurant downtown. Ladder One. Yep. I mean, there's just so much to do. Yeah, It's is. great. And there the is. people behind all of it. Uh, not only is there a lot to do, but the people who are part of this community are uh, – so strong and genuine and supportive of each other. So once you're there, you feel it. Right. It's it's a very special experience. Yeah, yep. and I love um, the Reynolds house. What they did with it, Chris. That amazing. Was, uh, what the Lozons were right. and Karen very involved in, <laughs> in renovation and uh, renovations. Yeah, yeah, Karen's done a whole lot for Barry as far as renovating buildings. Both Beautiful Tom work. and Karen yeah, are Tom. wonderful people. They're yeah. actively involved with us with many different things. We're talking with them uh, about the Prospect Heights project. Um, definitely some very engaged citizens yeah. in our community. And you talk about infrastructure. People immediately go to like roads and sewer and stuff. Infrastructure is also people. Um, and you know the backbone that Shannon's talking about are the people. You know, The stuff that you don't necessarily see that happens in the background that is the reason why we're sitting here today is is very area development right so you've got two minutes emmy you want to wrap it up emma oh that's all right sorry well, thank you, Pat. This is wonderful, first of all, to, to be on this show. I really love the studio. It is completely <laughs> retro. Um, years ago, I don't know if you know, I was in radio for a short period of time, so this is a lot of fun. And it was back, That was back a long time ago, so I'm not going to date myself. But I just really appreciate your support. I appreciate the opportunity okay. to talk about Barry. I'm so thrilled to be down there and to be able to serve. Um, I've been in um, public service for years now, and it's just a wonderful opportunity to come down and help revitalize That's and great. Furbish well, the and there's area. a lot of support in the area. The chamber. I'm just trying to think of all of the. Um, we were lucky to have the state chamber and the Central Vermont right, chamber. They're right there. Central Vermont, <clears throat> and there's Central Vermont Economic Development. Yeah. We work very closely with Melissa Bounty. She's extremely supportive. Um, and all the folks at the Central Vermont Chamber of Commerce. Yep. The Vermont Chamber of Commerce is, of course, right up the hill in Berlin. Right. We're um, yeah. We're, we're very lucky here. Yeah, it's cool. We've got so many supporters. Anyway, um, thank you both very much for coming on board. Um, We will see you. What is today? Thursday. See you next Tuesday, everybody. Uh, This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV.